0: Hey guys, just a quick note before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I have created a Patreon group for the podcast. So if you are interested in joining, um, you can go to patreon.com backslash flip the script podcast. And as a patron of the Patreon group, you will get bonus content. So I usually ask six questions um, to my guest every week. Well, this will include a seventh question. The question will change from week to week. um, So you can join and check it out and enjoy the bonus content. I so appreciate all of your support this past year. This is a listener supported podcast. So I appreciate those of you who have made donations. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is Elducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O, and you can find me on Instagram and YouTube as Elducho Thrift very excited about this week's episode i had the chance to do a follow-up interview with another reseller and also a friend of mine and her name is Daniela. you can find Daniela on instagram under the username ivy and blush and on youtube uh you can search her channel by going to the chronicles of a reseller and then of course every monday check out her podcast that she hosts with Lori tata and it's called thrifters villa the last time Daniella was on the podcast with me, it was uh, January 22nd of 2020, and if you haven't yet li- listened to that episode, check it out. It's episode number 24, we had a great conversation then, and I think that this is just a great opportunity to hear you know, what has happened in the past year for herself personally, as well as her business. Daniela does uh work for the state she is a government employee where she lives and so it's been a very challenging year for her professionally and then also we talk about how that worked its way into reselling which she does rely on as a source of income in her life without further ado let's get into the episode Hi, Daniela. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Hey, Denali. Thanks for
1: asking me to come back.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'd have you back every week if I could, but you have I mean, your own that podcast could be to fun. do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? But we've we'll we, our own
1: we, pod. We we'll start another podcast. <laughs>
0: we'll start another. I was going to say we, we would just need Lori on it, right? Like it, Yeah, just we, be the- we could do a merger of some sort.
1: <laughs> right?
0: I feel like we just take all the women podcasters and make one big podcast that
1: would be fun don't know you know how like called. um law and order and all those shows like chicago pd do crossovers like we could do yes the script and thrift for zvilla crossover how fun would that be that would be fun okay writing it down need to discuss that yeah please write this one down
0: this one has to happen or if just like or if like i went over to your podcast and hosted and you guys were online or something like yes. people just tune in we didn't warn them and all of a sudden like they hear Lori tata saying Welcome to the flip the script podcast. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) I love it. Writing it down. We need to have a business meeting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's going to happen guys. Uh, Okay. Well, you and I last spoke, you and we can't believe it because we were just discussing it offline, but it was January 22nd of 2020 was our first interview we did together, and this is a follow-up one. I think it's so fun and fascinating to speak with people a year later, and especially given the last year being so difficult for many different reasons, financially, emotionally, mentally, you know, impacted people in so many different ways. And so I think that kind of adds another layer to this follow-up. So I know it's a really broad question, Daniela, but... (laughs) What has happened since we last
1: spoke a year ago? (laughs) What hasn't happened, right? (laughs) Um, There's there's a lot that's happened. So for those who may not know, um, may not know me, I am not a full time reseller. Um, well, I guess I kind of am, but not really. I have a full time job outside <laughs> of the home, so I am a, a state worker. I in my state, I work in the unemployment and temporary disability unit. Um, so I've been busy <laughs> since the last yeah. time we spoke. Um, we have just been inundated. I have to say, like it's a little bit better now in terms of like claims coming in and stuff like that, but it is still very much um, a crazy disaster at all times. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we have a better rhythm, and we all understand the process a little bit better, but there's just so many policies that have come down. We've just switched administration, so that obviously changes a lot of things. Um, our governor has left and has gone to um, the White House to work in the Commerce Department, and uh, we have a new governor coming in, which then means there are diff- different roles that come in, and different people come into administration, so there's a lot of change that's happening present day, um, but Yeah, a lot of my time was dedicated to working crazy hours to make sure that we could, you know, provide funds to the citizens of my state, and it required a lot of programming it required just so much work and understanding. Um, what all of these different avenues of unemployment that now exist, how that would even work, how we would program this stuff with it, it had no idea how to put it into our old archaic system. I mean, there's just been so much, mm-hmm. um, where reselling kind of had to take, I don't want to say it took a backseat because it definitely didn't. I had a lot of growth in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I had to approach it in a different manner. Because I think when I in 2019, up until when the pandemic hit, I was very regimented in the things that I did. And like I had a routine and, and all of that. Well, that went out the window right when March mm-hmm. f- end of February, beginning of March went completely out the window. And of course, at that time, I decided to start a YouTube channel all like in the midst of all this. I'm like, <laughs> let's just start a YouTube channel. Why not? Let's let's do it. Because why not add something else to my plate? Um, So I feel like with reselling, I was more focused on um, very selective inventory, not dedicating so much time to photographing and listing and like doing all those tasks. I don't want to say mundane because they're not mundane tasks, but like the the tasks that need to be done in the business that Mm -hmm. maybe aren't necessarily the most fun or they're time consuming. So I had to figure out a way to balance working from 7 a.m. until 7 or 8 p.m., then coming home, eating and then Doing stuff for reselling so there was a probably a good chunk of my like March to July or August where mm, reselling wasn't really a thing that I was focusing on um my YouTube that I started ended up like going in the back burner and I didn't post for like you know a month at a time or like I'd post mm-hmm. one day and then I wouldn't post again for two months and I was very inconsistent with it um the podcast, so the first villa, which we mentioned before we stayed consistent with that but that like to me the podcast was my way to escape and talk mm-hmm. about something that I love with a friend and you know it's a small chunk of time and a day to do it so like that was my reprieve from everything um but the tasks of reselling became very difficult for me and while I was doing this I also decided to pull my inventory off of the real reel. so I had hundreds hundreds of items of the real reel. <laughs> and because everything was closed Um, I had to recall everything because I didn't have any inventory. Everything was closed. What Mm -hmm. was I going to do? Besides doing donations from the Nextdoor app, which is something that I did do, um, I just was like, I need stuff. I I need things to photograph. So we're just going to recall everything. Got over like... 30, 40 boxes back in my small apartment. And I had stuff. It was a lot. Um, And I had stuff to photograph during that chunk of time where everything was closed. So everything changed, right? Everything changed. And as things started to slowly open up in the summer, I want to say it was like June, maybe, um, when Mm -hmm. stores started to open around here. I really approached reselling in a different manner. I was like, all right, listen, this is like talking to myself here. Listen, Daniela, you need to... (laughs) <laughs> really sit down and figure out how you're going to do this. Like your job is demanding. This is not going to go away anytime soon. It might get better, um, but it's still going to demand a certain amount of time from you. And it's going to be exhausting. When you come home, you're not going to want to do all the things that you were doing before. So how can we do this? And basically my, my <laughs> plan was I'm going to focus heavily on the real real and sourcing specifically to bring items on that platform and do zero work just package the items in my car when I get them and send them off to UPS on the same day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to really focus on the items that I'm sourcing for Poshmark and eBay and really streamline what is it that sells for me, what do I enjoy doing, and what's going to yield me the highest profit margin with minimal amount of time dedicated to photographing and listing and all of that stuff. Um, YouTube, I had to make a conscious decision. This took me a little bit was to really sit down and think to myself, like, what is it that I want to do with YouTube? What is my, like, overall plan? Like, how do I want to be a part of this community and have a YouTube channel, but also be different and be my own person in it all? And, um, and do I still want to do it? Because I think that was a question that I had in the summer. Was like, is this even really worth my time? Like, I, I, I'm purposely not making time to do a YouTube video, and I think it was because I didn't really know where I didn't know where I fit in. And now I know mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter where you fit in. Like, you are your own yeah. person. Your audience is drawn to you because of who you are. And um, but I didn't know that at the time. Like, I felt like I had to fit in this mold. Um, which I think a lot of people fall into when it comes to content creation, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, it doesn't matter. We all feel like we have to fit in this specific spot. And Mm -hmm. um, I just sat down and I watched a bunch of YouTube gurus and I re-inspired myself and I just went to town and focused on the foundations of YouTube and, you know, hashtags, SEO, thumbnails, like all that kind of stuff. And I, it got me into a groove of like wanting to create content. And I decided you're going to do one video a week. If you do two, mm-hmm. great, but one is your baseline and you're not going to upload on a specific day because it's very stressful. And um, <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore. I was so focused on uploading at the same time every single week that I hated it. Yeah, And I didn't want that. Because for me, creating YouTube is a fun way to engage with the community and teach people because that's ultimately who I am as a person as I am a teacher. Um, And I want to be relatable to people, but I also would like it someday to become another stream of income, but I never want it to feel like work because I feel like when you create content like that, it should be fun. Like YouTube should never feel like, well, this is my personal perspective on it. I don't think it should ever feel like a mundane task that you need to do. It should be fun. It's something that um, either it's educational or it's entertainment, however you want to do it. And it's a creative outlet. Like just like the mm-hmm. podcast, right? Like it should never feel like this burden on you that you have to create an episode kind of thing. Like it should be mm-hmm. something that you just sit down and you have fun doing. Anyway, that's my perspective on it. And, um, and I've dedicated that, you know, on the weekend, I will record one or two videos and I'll edit when I can edit and they go live whenever they go live. Like there is zero pressure on myself and um, it's been a lot of fun. I- I've had a lot of fun doing that. And then, you know, there's this podcast that I have (laughs) with Lori Tata, (laughs) who is a wonderful human, and I'm so thankful to have her in my life. Um, And we wanted to take the podcast to the next level without it causing mayhem, I guess, on all Mm -hmm. of on both of us, because Lori has a lot of stuff going on too. I mean, she's a full-time reseller. She is a full-time YouTuber. Like, she's on a completely different uh, playing field than I am. And trying to make that mesh sometimes is difficult. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to say like it never has caused a rift or anything like that. I want that to come out that way, but (laughs) it's, it's hard to um, find that balance where like we want the podcast to grow. So what are these next steps that we can take that we can easily implement within our schedules that are both very busy and um, still have fun with, with creating the content and providing community with, with a podcast. And, um, and that's, you know we we did a lot of thinking a lot of brainstorming and um and that has then that evolved in december to us deciding that okay we're hitting our one year mark what do we want to do and patreon was the next thing and we've been working on that and that just launched today and there's so many great things that are going on in 2021 where it's like 2020 almost feels like a blur um all (laughs) these things happen right like you sit down you actually think about it and you talk about it But a lot of it's like, that really happened. Oh yeah, okay, yep, I remember that. And I remember how depressed Mm -hmm. I was when that happened and how stressed out I was. But like, I don't even focus on that because things this year, and I know it's only, it's gonna be March tomorrow, but um, things this year so far have been really good. And I feel like all the things that I experienced in 2020 have only put me in a better place for 2021 and beyond. So that's my spiel. I like it. I, oh my gosh, <laughs> as you we were, talk, we were
0: talking, and I know I say this often in my podcast, but I was like, okay, I want to ask her this. I got to ask her this. I to ask her this. And I didn't write <laughs> any of it down. So I'm gonna, I hope I remember it all. Um, okay. So the first thing I wanted to ask you was um, that I don't think you mentioned, but I was just curious about, I know that early, I think it was early on in the pandemic last year mm-hmm. um, when you did some like reseller, not so mystery boxes. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, what, what time period was that? Like, do you remember what part of the year it was when you were that doing that? That was March and April, I okay. believe. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was early on. So, um, you know, you've mentioned that your job was, uh, very busy, uh, this mm-hmm. time last year or mm-hmm. early on in the pandemic. Um, I'm still, I'm sure it's still very busy and stressful, but, um, early on, it was more so than you could have ever probably imagined. Um, So what was your motivation at that time to do boxes? Like, were you just thinking, I need to liquidate my inventory? I don't know if I'm going to continue doing
1: this. Like, what was your thought process with that? Yeah. So I think that I had two things that I was really thinking about. One was I wasn't really making that much money on um, the reselling platforms because I wasn't listing as much mm-hmm. because I didn't have as much inventory coming in. So my first thought process was, so I also want to just say before I even go into that, yes, I have a full-time job, but because reselling has been in my life for the last two years. And I rely on my reselling money for a lot of things, um, whether it's for savings, paying off things, bills, whatever, like that money is almost essential now in my life because I've had it for so long. And um, would I survive if it was gone tomorrow? Yes. Would it sting? Yeah, absolutely. Because I've now learned to adjust my living expenses to what I make in reselling. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want to throw that out there, but my, so this is why I created the boxes in the first place was people needed inventory, full-time resellers needed inventory and they had no way of getting it or they weren't getting enough donations or things that they could um, sell list and sell themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. I wanted to
1: be a person that they could go to, to get really great inventory at an affordable rate. Um, I also didn't have time to focus on all of the inventory that I had. And I was at a point where I felt overwhelmed by it all. And I needed to just get rid of a lot of it. So it kind of went hand in hand. And then I think another part of me was just kind of like, I'm done. I don't want to look at this anymore. And whatever I get out, great. And I'm just going to start over when things reopen, and I can, I can kind of refocus a little bit better. So I think those are the three things that kind of lined up. So it wasn't two; it was three (laughs) Um, that (laughs) lined up. And um, I totally lied to everyone. It's all right. Um, (laughs) So those are all the factors that kind of came into it,
0: right? And and I'm just curious, you know, uh, when you did that, I mean, how much of your inventory were you able to get rid of? Did you get rid of all of it?
1: no, not all of it. I gave up. I didn't give up. I helped the community and I uh, created 38, 39 boxes. And I want to say I was at like 600 pieces of inventory and I went down to 378, I think was the number. Wow. Yeah, so it was a lot. And then one, so right after I did those boxes is when I reclaimed everything from the real, real, but that was with intention because everything was already marked down the real, real, and I was going to lose out on money. So the, you know, it was twofold. I didn't want to lose out on that money. Um, And I also would have good inventory, you know, in a different bracket that I could then photograph and list and I could kind of do it slowly. Um, And I knew the things that were there were not flawed, you know, everything was in great condition. So um it worked out but yeah I got rid of a lot of inventory and it was great and I still do them from time to time because people really liked when I did my not so mystery reseller boxes I just did the other day I think it was on Friday I posted hey I had had a bag of shoes that had been sitting in my parents basement for I can't tell you how long and I just they're like (laughs) some of them were spring shoes and I think I bought them back in like November and I was like yeah I'll get to it eventually to list them and I usually list mm-hmm. things all the time, but like this bag of shoes just sat here and I never did anything with it. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make some, I'm just gonna make two boxes, put it out there and see if anyone wants them. And they sold basically immediately. So um, I know people look for them when I do them and I have fun mm-hmm. doing it. And if my cost of goods is low enough, I have no problem creating them all the time. Um, it's just hard to get things at that cost that then makes sense for me to ship them, especially shoes. You know that, right. that's, that's a tough one, but yeah. So I still do them from time to time. And is it something that I might implement, um, in my business going forward? Yeah. I think once, um, I move and we're in a, a home, like a, you know, a real house and not an apartment, uh, mm-hmm. I'll be able to do it because I'll have the space. I just don't have the space to, to continuously right. do it. if I'm doing it, it's because I need to make room for stuff <laughs> like <that's, and> i <laughs> It's done intentional. It's 100% <laughs> intentional. <laughs> okay.
0: So, uh, you know, not long after you were doing the boxes or kind of at the, around the same time, you started reclaiming those items from the real, real. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious, like, I totally understand, you know, why you did it because you needed, you wanted to have some fresh inventory and you were potentially going to lose out on money. Like you said, if it continued to yeah. stay on the real, real, just because they do continue to drop prices and people have coupons, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm just um, curious if, uh, you know, when you got the stuff back, did it sell well for you? Like, did it sell quicker than it was obviously taking on the real real or do you still have some of that stuff today?
1: Um, So I think I only (laughs) sold three things that I got back. Um, Three three items from 30 boxes? Yes. Three items, but it's okay because (laughs) what I ended up doing was uh, I want to say was in September. Yeah. September I packed up probably 10, 15 boxes and I put all that stuff back into uh, boxes to go to the real rail. and every single mm-hmm. item that I sent back in September sold immediately <laughs> immediately well that's, so what, that's I have, what I, was I don't wondering. Know why. yeah no no that was my next question I was like well d- did
0: anything sell for you and if it didn't sell for you did you pack it back up and then yes I did sell it again? <laughs> well and I think that you know I, you know you've taught me a lot about the real real and that that just being a tactic in general to reclaim items uh, mm-hmm. if the prices drop too low, right? And sending it back yep. in because then it'll get priced back up. But I think also, you know, you reclaimed the items earlier on in the pandemic where people were likely not or possibly not spending as much money on luxury items, right? Um, And then resending it back in in September when maybe the economy was feeling
1: slightly more confident. in their Yeah, I think a lot of that had, I think a lot of economics has to do with it. And, you know, stimulus checks going out, people were getting unemployment checks, the additional stimulus attached to it. And then, you know, it re-upped again twice. So, um, I think that absolutely had a lot to do with it. Um, I think the luxury market in the beginning of the pandemic was hit hard. And I think since then it has actually grown. <laughs> I think the luxury mm-hmm. market is just doing really well right now. And there's a lot of, I mean, that's like an episode all in itself where we could talk about that, but yeah, um, you know, I, I do think that played a part in it. Yes, I think that once things started to feel better, right, like whether they were or not was irrelevant, but people felt like they were going out into the world a little bit more. There were still, there, you know, like today, there are still more restrictions, but you're able to at least um, somewhat feel like a normal human going out into a mm-hmm. store. And I think a lot of that um, played into it. And I also think that a lot of the stuff that I had reclaimed was actually fall and winter, there were some summer pieces, but a lot Mm. of it was fall and winter that didn't sell from the year before. And at that point it was marked at 75% off 80%, 50% off. So when I sent it in September, it was like perfect timing, you know, they're going to get it listed right away because that's the stuff that's going to start selling in September and October. And I think that really helped too. So, you know, seasons are always a part of selling.
0: Yeah. And I want to come back to the real, real, but I want to ask, this other question before I forget, <laughs> which is that you, <laughs> you mentioned that kind of mid to later on in the years, you know, um, when stores open back up and stuff, that the way you start to look at your business was that you wanted to only be sourcing items that what you was it that you really liked or you're passionate about it, is I can't remember what you said in your words.
1: A mix of both. So items that I was yes, passionate and, and enjoyed sourcing. Right. And then items that also yielded me a higher profit margin to really maximize the amount of money that I'm making and the time that I'm putting in, because I think that's something that a lot of us don't really. So if you're a volume seller, it's, it's a little different, but I'm not a volume seller. Um, so for me, if I'm going to be dedicating, I don't know, I probably dedicate 30 to 50 hours a week on all reselling tasks, whether it be Mm -hmm. listing, photographing podcast, all that stuff, right. YouTube anything related Mm -hmm. to the business it's anywhere between 30 to 50 hours it just depends on what's going on Um, so if I'm spending this much time then I need to make sure that my profits match it and that you know and and that's where like all these formulas come into play and tracking and all that kind of stuff and I had to really sit down and look at the things that um sold well for me the brands that sold well for me is are these things that I can get online in stores wherever like how can I make this all work and still have um a low buy-in cost and be able to make the amount that I want to make to then take home net the amount that I, that I need to hit X, Y, and Z, whatever it is financially that I need to do. Um, And that, you know, it's a hard conversation to have with yourself. I think, whether you're a volume seller or not um, Mm -hmm. I just think understanding your time, which I know you talk about all the time, Denali, about (laughs) time and investing in various tools, whether it be a virtual assistant um you know this new app flip which you've you know brought me onto and and you know all the possibilities Ooh. that are out there yeah. um yeah i just think it's so so important in any business it doesn't matter if it's reselling any business that you have just maximizing your own time and making sure it's worth the efforts on certain tasks yeah
0: yeah time is money um and especially if you're working a, a another job like you are yeah. I, I always <laughs> i always bow down to the people who are working you know, whatever, quote unquote, traditional jobs, right. Nine to five, whatever. I mean, not every job's nine to five, you know, it could be 11 to seven or
1: seven to 11 or,
0: (laughs) um, and then do reselling on top of it. Because for me, I never did it in the way that you or many other people do. And the workload is insane you know what I mean? But, but I get that people have financial needs or financial goals and this helps them meet that. And so, yeah, I mean, my head is always off to the people um, who are in that position, but, you know, you said that it's a really tough conversation that you have to have when, when um, kind of switching your mindset or your business strategy in that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering for you, you know, when you went back out into sourcing, like what sort of like, maybe hard decisions did you have to make at the store? I mean, what's, you know, I, this is not a no low or BOLO list necessarily, yeah. but when you saw stuff in the store, like you had to look at this item and you're like, I maybe like, for instance, maybe you were like, I can't pick up this Madewell item. Like this doesn't make sense for me. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think those are conversations that I never really had with myself before. Um, the pandemic hit mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, the first thing that I should mention is that the prices have dramatically changed since stores have reopened around here right. and and they're not going down if anything they're going up like you know we all thought maybe because they just reopened you know the prices are mm-hmm. high for that reason no they've just continued to climb and a lot mm-hmm. of it is that they know that the majority of their clientele are resellers and, um, and, and, you know, and this is where resellers get a bad rap right? Because, um, people get mad and say that we're driving the prices up in the thrift store. I think it's a combination of things. I think, right. you know, yes, I think resellers play a part in it, but I also think that the demand is so high in thrift stores now, given that most people shop in thrift stores, like it's the cool mm-hmm. thing to do. And they're, and they see that, um, there's still ways to get around it, but regardless, I I think that was the number one shocking thing where I was like, whoa, I'm not spending twelve ninety nine on a Madewell top, for example. I that doesn't make any sense to me, even with twenty mm-hmm. percent off. You know, it right. needs to be five ninety nine or lower. Um, the only things that I quote unquote pay up on are shoes, handbags, and jeans. Those are the three things where I'm guaranteed to make a certain amount of money because of the brands that I'm picking up that work well for my business. And what works well for me, obviously doesn't for other people. So you bring up Madewell, I can sell Madewell jeans for 60, 70, $80. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, some people can't, but I think right. there's a lot that goes into it. Understanding your customer. I mean, this there's like a whole host of things that go into it. Um, right. I I will say I don't pick up all luxury things. I have left behind Tory Burch. I've left behind Gucci. I have left behind Christian Dior. You name it, I have left it behind. Does it hurt? Yeah, it always hurts to leave those things behind. But it's necessary because the pieces are either too worn, too damaged, too vintage to the point where like, it's not even going to sell on the real real. Does it matter that it's vintage? Um, Unless it's a collector's item of some sort, which is very difficult to find. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but it is difficult to find. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just outrageously overpriced. And just because it's luxury doesn't mean I need to pick it up. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of those conversations that I have with myself now where before, um, like I would pick up every Eileen Fisher piece. I will never pick up every Eileen Fisher piece. I honestly bypass (laughs) Eileen Fisher 90% of the time. I don't Mm -hmm. pick it up. Um, I don't pick up Rag and Bone or Frame or any of those brand, current Elliot. I don't pick up any of those brands um, where I probably would have last year or even in 2019. I definitely did, unless they're like 2.99, 3.99, and I right. have a coupon. At that point, I'm just sending them into the rail rail, so I don't yep. care. I know I'm going to make at least 16 on it, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a guarantee I'll make 16. So I'm happy with that. But like there, there's a lot of those um, situations that now like there's brands that I would have probably never picked up last year that now I do pick up because people are looking for them, for example. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up all the time because you're the one who told me about it. And it's Juicy Couture. Oh. I would have never oh. <laughs> I would have yeah. never picked it up. Yeah, I have sold every Juicy Couture piece, um, velour or fleece, zip up or pants, between 50 and 75 dollars depending on the graphic that's on it so like that's something i would have never looked at Mm -hmm. ever but trends change things change and the price points haven't necessarily like the thrift store doesn't necessarily know that yet and um it's worked in my favor you know Mm -hmm. so i think there's there's a lot of balance that goes on and i think as trends and things change in the fashion world because i think we're in a really weird year this year with fashion There's Mm -hmm. so many different things happening in the fashion world. Um, And I think it's dictating our sourcing big time because um, I don't know, I just, we have to kind of be current with the times, but yeah, I'm having, I am having those different conversations with myself, but I'm glad I'm having them because it's made me a better business person because I'm not a volume seller. Yeah, no, I I think that that's
0: really important. I think, well, I think regardless at any point in your business, whether you be a high volume seller or not, like, you know, I have to have those conversations with myself, right? But like, yeah. I have to think about what's going to make sense for me. You know, what worked for me last year might not work for me this year. You know what I mean? And it yeah. changes hard. Oh <laughs> change my God. It's yeah. not easy, so whether it be person personally or, or in your business. Um, but going to the real, real, um, mm-hmm. so I have started, you know, I've sold there in the past, but I've been utilizing it more recently. Um, and you are somebody that I turned to for advice with it. So when did you start selling on the real, real and you know, how much of your business, I don't want to say relies, but I guess for lack of a better term, but how much of your, your income for your reselling business comes from the real, real,
1: I guess, to just give us kind of an idea. <laughs> first of all the fact that you're coming to me for anything is astounding but (laughs) (laughs) Um, no truly
0: I mean you know when people message me on Instagram and they're like you know tell us about what you're doing for the real real I'm like I wish I could I'm like (laughs) at its at its at its absolute simplest I just look at the accepted brand list Mm -hmm. I look I look for those brands and I send those brands in that's, that's my thought process. And I don't think I'm not necessarily recommending my strategy for it. I think (laughs) that you, I think that you could probably give some better advice because like you said, not all brands maybe make sense. Or you've said this in the past that I've heard, not all brands necessarily make sense to send in because right. You might get super excited. Like, oh my gosh, I found this pair of Tory Burch jeans, right? Um, but yeah. If you, you know, if you're at the store and you're like, oh, they're 10 bucks, that's a steal. I'm going to get them. Right. But if you send them in, they're likely only going to price them at $50 and then yep. people are going to use the 20% off coupon. And after it's all said and done, I think what we only get 16, like you were saying, $16. Yep. $16. $16 right. And, and okay. Yeah. You made six. Like that's not so bad, but You know, time, effort, all those different things. There's a lot of factors that play into it, but sorry to kind of cut you off there from answering my initial question, but that, but that, you know, I think that there is strategy behind it. And that's why I've turned uh, to people like you, because I think that um, you're further along in that, you know, a lot more than I do. And I do think that you are, you know, I do sell at a higher volume, um, but I think if somebody is being strategic in the pieces that they're picking up, that's where I think that actually, you are a much better source for that sort of information. So go follow Danielle is what I'm telling you. But anyways, okay, that's my question.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks. But- No problem. um, I probably, I want to say I've probably been sending things in there for about a year and a half now at this point. And when I first started, I had no idea. Right. Like I went in blindly and was like, I'm going to send all this great stuff. I'm finding a thrift store. I'm going to make so much money, which is obviously not the case, especially when you're first (laughs) starting on the real rail, because you're at the um, lowest commission rate, which is 40%. Right. Unless you start off as a business seller, which is a totally different conversation, uh, you start right. off at a higher commission rate. But I don't have the business seller um, feature at the moment and it is something I'm looking into, but right now I'm just selling as you know sole proprietor at this point. And uh, okay, so here I am. I'm sending things into the real real and I was probably making, I don't know, $100 dollars here, 150 dollars there. I wasn't making a lot of money. I did come across gold at one point in time and you know I made 1400 which was the most I had I, at Whoa. that point had ever made on the rail rail and it was off of one piece and it was like okay I can do this kind of thing like that was when the light Wait wait, off. wait wait what's the one piece okay so here's the story I went to the bins in New Hampshire and I was looking through a picked over bin which is like what I suggest everyone to do if you're a reseller go through the picked over bins so mm-hmm. I'm looking through and there's this floral dress that kind of sticks out and um I felt and I was like oh this it feels like you know one of those cheaper fast fashion brands um it didn't have an lining or nothing and I was like oh but it's kind of cute like what's the harm in me grabbing this I didn't even see the brand yet at this point I'm just gonna grab mm-hmm. it put it in my cart so I go back and I was with my husband that day because in the beginning he would come with me to the bins that's not the case anymore <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so I, I pick up this dress I'm looking at. It, I'm like oh oh this is christian dior now this oh, is my wow. first time ever finding a um a luxury piece never mind the bins it was my first time ever finding a luxury piece ever ever mm-hmm. in my recent career so i was super excited but then i'm looking at it i'm like what is this it had another name on top of it l imagine or something and i was oh. like this can't be well i don't even know what gonna say yeah so I didn't know that there was a collaboration many, many years ago with Elle Imagine and Christian Dior, but there was. And there's they're like museum pieces. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him like, I think this is fake. Like, it doesn't have a lining. The zipper looks awful. Like, I, I can't imagine this is real. Um, mm-hmm. And... Matt was, Matt is my husband, and he was just like, you know, just take it. What's the risk? A dollar? Like, send it into the real, real, because you've been wanting to do mm-hmm. with that. Like, you want to you focus more time on it. Send it in. They'll tell you if it's real or not. If it's not real, they send it back. And then what's the harm mm-hmm. in spending a dollar on it? So I said, all right, fine. I started doing more research on it. I'm like, no, I think this L imagine is actually something. I just don't, like, I don't know the history of it, but it looks like it's in museums. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, send it in they go they accept it immediately and they list it under their like editors picks area which mm-hmm. is like where a lot of um a lot of movie producers or um people who work on movie sets actually go t- into these editor sections and mm-hmm. they grab a lot of pieces for their inspiration or for actual movies so anyway they put it i saw it said editors pick but the price wasn't there for probably two weeks so they had probably sat on it and they were probably doing their own research on their end then finally one day it <laughs> went live and it was listed at 1400 and i was like i'm sorry wow. what you know and it was mind-blowing to me it sold within the first 24 hours sold um and that was like that was the point where I was hooked and I was like oh oh I can make like I can make the real world work for me if I just learn the platform and I really Mm -hmm. dive in and understand how all of the ins and outs and everything like how can I make this a bigger part of my business which has been my whole mission since last year um and I and there's a lot of work that goes into it, like Denali was saying. You know, she only sends in the things that are on the list, and I recommend mm-hmm. that everyone does that. However, there are instances where you can send in items that are not on their list um, that are on their website, and they do tend to accept um, things. Come on and on and off the list all the time, just like with Fred Off. You know, brands mm-hmm. come on and off. It does that. That never changes. But um, I would say that the real rail is probably. 30% of my business right now in terms of money that I'm getting in some months, it's more than others. Um, but I'd say it's between 27 to 30%, like in that range, I would love for it to be 50%, like 50%, the real, real 50%, everything else. That is like mm-hmm. the ultimate goal for me. Uh, when it comes to recent, honestly, my ultimate goal would probably be 50%, the real, real 30% Poshmark eBay. And then everything else is just you know, other streams of income that are coming in of uh, the content that I'm creating. So, you know, it's not a huge chunk of my revenue that's coming in, but when I do get those real, real deposits, It specifically goes to something. So like I pretend like that money doesn't even exist basically. So when I get a deposit of let's say $1,000 because you only get paid out once a month, um, that will go towards uh, like I paid off one of my loans last month with the amount that I made. So that will go directly into that. Right. So like that money, it hits my account the next day it's gone essentially. Like that's how I use that money which is great because I can kind of gauge, okay, I've sent in 20 boxes this month. I've made this amount of money. These are the items that I found. Let's see if I can replicate that for the next month. I will say February definitely isn't as um, the amount is definitely lower. I also didn't send as much in February. I didn't really thrift that much in February. So I'm seeing mm-hmm. that in my, in my totals, but like, it's fine. You know, yeah. I'll have more boxes to send. And it's just nice to have a stream of income coming in that um, I don't have to do anything. I, I, box things right. up, send it in and I do nothing. It's great. I just get a check at the, at, and on every 15th of the month, I've got a deposit coming into my account. So that's always wonderful. Yeah.
0: Well, and I was just going to add to that, you know, because they're, um, you know, I, myself, and certainly many other people in the reselling community have used like platforms like Up to have, you know, have a similar model, right. Just send stuff mm-hmm. off and then they list it and sell it. Um, however, I would say, you know, I, in, in some ways, the packaging it up, sending it and all that sort of stuff it, is made easier with the real Um Just that it's, it's not a struggle to get labels. You know what I mean? Yep. Which is something that happened with Up at, at certain points last year and even probably still now. Um, the processing time, you're not going to have to worry about it potentially being three to six months for them to process the box of inventory that you're going to send. Likely it's going to get processed in the next week or two after they receive right. it. Um, additionally, what I love
1: is that they, they send UPS out to my house. Do you get the UPS pickups? I I can't get it where I am right now, but that will be my game plan once we are in a home.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's really nice and convenient as well, because certainly I could get USPS pickups with thread up. However, I actually preferred, I don't know if other people in the community did this as well, um, but I actually preferred to send my thread up packages through FedEx because you could do USPS or FedEx, and FedEx right. would get it to the thread up facility actually a little bit faster. So pro tip there to anybody listening. So uh, <laughs> it's not like so basically I'm saying that I was going, I was having to take it to like a FedEx location and stuff. So it's been made easier. For myself with the real real and full disclosure, Danielle and I are not affiliates nor yet or are getting paid to talk about.
1: However, if they would like to give us affiliates, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think we should apply for some sort of affiliate program that would probably be be in our best interest.
1: Um, shoot, I totally had a question that just escaped me. Well, I was just gonna say something too, Danielle, over a thread up in the real real. I think that the the biggest difference between them both besides the the customer base is the real, real actually likes resellers. Like they want resellers on their platform. That's how they get their inventory. So, um, and the only way they're able to continue to grow, they just opened up another store and I don't remember what state, but they just opened up a new store. The only in a new warehouse. So the only way they're able to do that is if resellers continue to send them things, the real, real was based off of just, um, clients sending them their stuff when they were done using it, like it was just mm-hmm. a consignment service for individuals who had luxury goods. Well, it's evolved over time, and they realized that, which is why they started the business partnership. And I think where Thread Up is maybe um, a little more apprehensive when it comes to resellers and their and their mm-hmm. um, business practice and platform, right? Like I don't think it's necessarily built for resellers. Um, Mm -hmm. where the real, real is and they're, they're, or they're evolving it to be more catered towards resellers. So I think it's important Mm -hmm. for people to, to know that because people have asked Mm -hmm. me that, like, well, do they like resellers? I'm like, yeah, they love you. Like they (laughs) want your stuff. (laughs) They do. Yeah. Which is the whole
0: purpose of why they have business accounts because under the business account section, like, you know, if you go to apply for it, literally one of the options is like you sell on eBay or Poshmark or, you know what I mean? It says like online reseller, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there, it's not like some secret (laughs) where you have to hide your identity or who you are. But I remember what I was going to say, you know, Um, In in terms of talking about like the accepted brand list and, you know, that was a tip that I got from you is that you said, Mm -hmm. you know, try sending in brands that aren't on that list. Like specifically, I think I had mentioned to you and, or you had suggested because you knew a little bit of my inventory was sending in a lot of the coats that I had because I had, I had a lot of wool coats and you said, send those in, they will take them. And guess what, Daniela? You're right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so I I am.
0: So I had a lot of, um, Vince wool coats that I needed to move and they weren't moving for me. And I, so I sent those in and Vince is not on their accepted brand list, but they accepted them. And actually one of the brands that they just accepted from me, which is not, I'm sure it's not on the brand list was, I'm, I'm curious if you'll be shocked, but it was Andrew Mark. Really? Yes. I sent in now, you know, it is new with tags, but I sent in an Andrew Mark coat and I just looked in my process
1: consignments today and it's accepted. They're taking pictures of it. So. So here's my philosophy on all this. Now there's like a trend, right? You were sending in coats. I I think when it comes to coats or trenches or anything like that, they are more inclined to take it because um, it's easier for them to move and they can get more money for them, especially because yours were new with tag. So I think that has you know a lot to do with it, but I've noticed in my experience when it comes to coats, they accept a lot of brands and they move on their platform um, and they sell them at quite a high price, which is very nice mm-hmm. <laughs> as a person on the other end collecting a profit from it. Right. So I guess, you know, to somebody who's listening,
0: who's, who's thinking, um, Daniela Denali, that's great, cool, but I don't have any of the brands that are on these lists to mm-hmm. send in. Um, mm-hmm. we don't, you know, I live somewhere very rural where we don't have these sort of items in my area. You know, what do you say to that? Are they totally out of the game or is there, you know, is there a way for them to get in?
1: Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think that if you live in an area, um, that has a lot of hiking or anything of that nature, a lot of outdoorsy type things, they accept Patagonia, they accept Sorrel, um, they accept the North Face. So those three things right there, if you can find them in your area, they take them. So uh, don't feel discouraged if you feel like you don't have the right items. I, I can, and I, I don't want to say guarantee, but more likely than not, you'll be able to find at least those three items in your, in your area. Because Patagonia, I feel like, is something that you can find almost anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe not in the best condition, but you can find it. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, um, source online. I source Mm -hmm. online all the time for items all the time. You, I mean, it takes work. It's not easy. Obviously you have to get into a rhythm of it, but we have these platforms and they're not everyone on these platforms are resellers. I think we have to remember that there are people on these platforms like Poshmark, eBay, Mercari, where people are just getting rid of things. Um, you can easily do a little search, say you want to look for, I don't know, what's a brand that they, they easily take. Um, let's say Tory Birch, for example. Okay. I feel like you can find Tory Birch at really great rates when you're sourcing online. If you mm-hmm. can bundle a bunch of Tory Birch tops and you're paying, I would say $7 or less per top with shipping. Okay. You have to include shipping in this because shipping is a cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I say you do it because they're going to price, most tops are going to price $50, like we said. They're going to use a coupon. You're going to make $16. you You're still you are still yielding a profit. You're doubling your money, at least at this point. Um, I think there are ways to do it. I think it requires a lot of time and energy, though, when you're first starting because... It's not easy sometimes to source online. It it's mm-hmm. a lot of hours of fil- filtering and typing mm-hmm. in random words sometimes and seeing what comes up and going to different <laughs> platforms and just learning how the platforms work and reaching out to the buyer and asking if they you know be willing to negotiate the price. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of that that happens. But I will say, online sourcing is one of my main ways of getting brands that um, I don't find in my thrift store. I don't find. Designer and luxury all the time in the thrift store. Like that's mm-hmm. like I think a misconception because people know that I send things into the real rail, they just assume that I'm finding all this stuff in the thrift store. Mm, not necessarily the case. <laughs> sometimes I'm sourcing it online because I find a really great deal on something. And um and I either sometimes I pay up for certain things, but for the most part, mm-hmm. I'm most of my online sourcing, I'm not spending more than $10 per piece with shipping. Do you think do you think that there's
0: possibly an opportunity to even source from the RealReal Real and send it back to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do
1: it all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. So one of the things I suggest that everyone does is sign up for the RealReal's email list. Um, they, on occasion, will send out $30 credits. And uh, when you get the $30 credit, go into their sales section, filter um, through items. I usually filter like $15, uh, $15 to $30. And I go through and I find pieces of brands that I normally wouldn't find or brands that I know sell really well uh, for me on the platform and I get them and then I box them up and I send them back. <laughs> Happens Genius. all the time. <laughs> you can do it on awesome. thread up too. Source on thread up and their outlet section if you I don't have the outlet section of my thread up and I don't know I why, don't but either.
0: I don't no, understand. I don't
1: have it so they don't like us. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily like them either, but <laughs> that's, um, that's why we don't have the outlet section. <laughs> but if you have the outlet section, you can easily find things there and yeah. send them in. Like there are so many ways to do it. If you can get donations on the Nextdoor app or something from someone yeah. and they have some items that are on the real, real send it, like just send things in. You can do it. Mm-hmm. You can find it. Don't be discouraged by it. There are ways to do it.
0: Yeah. No, that's great advice. That's actually a really great tip about, um, all the different ways that you said that you could be sourcing or, or, um, brands that people aren't thinking of that they could be sending in for instance, like North face, yeah. because like you said, like depending on where you live, you know, I don't necessarily find it's all items. Yeah. I don't find designer items necessarily at my goodwill outlet all the time. However, can I find a North face jacket? Absolutely. Like that's not right. a problem <laughs> for my area. Right. Exactly. And, uh, Yeah. So kind of on that, you know, similar note, you know, uh, you talked about how last year you started a YouTube channel and, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of came and went from it at certain points throughout the year because of life pandemic, all sorts of things getting in the way, you know, now that you're, you said you've kind of figured out what works for you, you know, what sort of content are you putting on there
1: now? So um, I have learned that the reseller community really likes hauls. What? And one thing you should know about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing you should know about me is that I don't necessarily love hauls, or I don't love what um, filming hauls. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm a weirdo. But here's no, no, why. no. no. Like, I just me- say
0: I just say that as your friend, and I know you, so I'm <laughs> teasing
1: you. <laughs> But <laughs> like, here here's my reason, okay? Because I feel like if I'm just watching a haul of someone show me things that they got, but there's no like explanation or there's no like reasoning. Like I'm someone that needs to know. Okay, but why did you get that? Like, what is right. your reasoning behind getting it? Not like I got mm-hmm. this Madewell shirt. I got this pair of Vince pants. Okay, but why? Well, what, what, like, mm-hmm. what, what's what's the purpose? So here comes Daniela with this idea of, okay, I'll do halls because people like it, but I want it to be educational because in case you don't know, my degree, I have a master's degree in teaching, and everything I do has some element of teaching in it. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I like the the structure of YouTube where I can give a visual auditory. Like there's all different modalities of learning involved in YouTube. So I decided if I'm going to do halls, which I do do them, there's going to be some type of reason or purpose behind it, where I can teach members of the community, whether they're new or they're advanced my methods and my ways of doing things and why I do them, um, why certain brands and not others, why certain styles over others. Um, I like to talk about different fashion trends, things that I'm seeing. I like to talk about the real, real, for example, and um, mm-hmm. my experiences on it and the sales that I'm having. Um, I like to give different perspective on maybe what is happening in the reseller community or different tips and tricks that I've learned that I maybe, mm, taught myself, or I took other people's Mm -hmm. advice and kind of molded it to my own business. That's kind Mm -hmm. of the whole purpose of my YouTube channel. I want it to be a safe place for people to come in and not feel like they need a certain, like they have to be at a certain level. Um, I want it to be geared towards all levels of reselling. I want all ages to feel included. Um, I try to break things down in a way that is um, simple, but yet you feel like you came away with good information. So yeah, it's definitely become more of an educational how-to, but still has a lot of elements of my personality and like vlogging and all that kind of stuff mixed in. Like a lot of cats show up in my video because my cats are obnoxious. (laughs) Um, I, I don't have a space to really like, film. So I'm always in my bedroom, like near a window and there's cars and rescues and stuff in the background. Like this is not professional whatsoever, but I (laughs) I just have fun with it. And I I think, um, people have people that do watch my channel have learned more about like who I am as a person and understand like my sarcasm and just who I am without really Mm -hmm. knowing me on a one-on-one basis, you know? And that's really what it's all about for me. Like, I just want to have fun with it. I want people to have fun with it, but I also want them to learn and take something away from my videos. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm sorry, did you say that you're doing some of the content on the real, real?
1: Yeah. So I have uh, videos that uh, once a month right now that I am doing where I basically break down my top sales that I had on the platform. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing too. I yeah. don't really love what sold because I feel like they get a little boring and people tune out. So I like to yeah. talk about like, five of the best in like a few, like maybe three of the worst or like things I was surprised by and, and show and highlight mm-hmm. those items the most. Um, so that's how I'm doing it. And it seems, it seems like people are responding to it and that they like it and it's mm-hmm. helping them figure out how they want to send things into the real, real. And I also think it's encouraged people to start, you know, sending things in I feel like the real, yeah. real always has, people always have hesitation when it comes to the real, but like, oh, it's only luxury. Like, no, there's more right. on there than just luxury, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that's been a lot of fun. I am, um, in the process of creating, um, like a playlist to help people, um, mm-hmm. maybe get started in learning the website itself kind of thing, you know, just very basic general things, um, to encourage people to do it because there's no yeah. reason for you not to be doing it.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that again, you know, I'm, i guess I'm kind of driving home this point of, the real, real, because, you know, I feel like people have been talking about it more in the community for the past few months, even though obviously it's been around for a while, just, I think with the transition uh, that up has made towards resellers, people are just trying to think, well, how can I outsource and automate my business in other ways? And obviously, again, we talked about the real, real brand list being more restrictive. However, I think that it's, um, that it can still work for people in their business model. You just have to figure out how it works for you. Um, but I I guess I would recommend to people that they check out your channel because there, I don't feel like there's a lot of reseller channels for the most part, if any, (laughs) that are putting out real, real content. I mean, there's you and then there's Jack and then I don't know anybody else, but that's maybe my own limitations there. No, (laughs) I think people should check
1: that out. I don't think there's that many people doing it besides Jack and myself. And there may be some other people out there, but in terms of like creating educational content around it, I I do think it's- a small little cohort of us. <laughs> no, I, I I agree because I think the other
0: content that I see being put out there is actually being put out by um, influencers Longer. who are being paid yeah. to create content. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is I'm not I'm not saying that there's not value in that, um, but I guess you know thinking about you or Jack, like it's you guys are unbiasedly speaking about it necessarily, like you're not being paid by
1: right. that yet. <laughs> I I mean, mean, if you're listening, the real, real, I would love to create a sponsored video for you. So (laughs) right, right,
0: right. But, you know, whereas like other people, they are intentionally creating these videos because they are being paid by the company to do these things. So, um, you know, on that note, just like in in the past year, a lot of resellers have myself included, created courses or educational content on um, maybe a topic that they're specialized in or whatever. Have you thought about, you know, with like the real, real, I mean, you're somebody again, that I always turn to. Have you thought about creating educational content, paid educational content in that way?
1: I have. You're a jerk for bringing this up. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) You like how I just play dumb. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes, you did. You totally just played dumb. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have thought about it. Um, I started, I am working on something um, in terms of educational content for The real. real. I um, haven't touched it in probably a few weeks because I don't know, life gets in the way, but yeah, it is right. something that uh, I am thinking about doing, but I want it to be more than just a real, real course, if that makes sense. I want it to be like, I want you to learn about the fashion houses. I want you to learn and feel comfortable with authenticating items while you're in the thrift store. I still get things authenticated because there are instances where I'm like, I'm not really sure. Um, And I think it's smart to do that but there's also ways for you to get better at authenticating items. And I think that's an important um, skill that every reseller should have in any brand really. But in this instance, focusing on the designer and luxury market. So Mm -hmm. yes, I am working on something. No, I don't (laughs) know when it will be done. Yes, Denali forced me to do it. (laughs) Just kidding.
0: no I just you know I know that you come from an educational background and I think that there's yeah that's a really valuable skill that people if they have it right um can bring to this community because if you are I think if you are specialized in certain topics in this community and you can share this information with others and you can be rewarded financially for it why not do it it enriches potentially the lives of many other people for you know now they can pay for vacations that they couldn't pay for. You know what I mean? Like brings them yep. income and also, you know, kind of fills a bucket for you because right. I've talked many times about I come from an HR background and there's a lot of things that I liked and enjoyed about working in human resources. And one of those was like training and development. And so if it, on a personal level, it feels, it fills my bucket when I get to do things that fill, you know, like, um, that were like that
1: job that I was doing previously. So. Yeah, (laughs) I feel the same way about YouTube in general, too. It it fills that educational void that I don't have right now. Um, Mm -hmm. It fills that like that purpose. And the podcast is the same thing. Like it fills that purpose that I used to have um, that who knows, maybe someday I'll go back to. But right now, it's not something that I want to go back to. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know where life is going to take me. Right. But Um, Right now, YouTube and the podcast definitely help with that. And creating a course is definitely, um, I have found in the process of doing it, it's um, bringing back a lot of those elements that I learned in school, or that I did while I was teaching, um, and like making sure I'm incorporating different elements. And um, especially since a lot of my background is with um, special education, because I used to teach the visually impaired, you know, different aspects of teaching come to mind like i need to make sure i have alt text and everything and then you know there's voiceovers when there needs to be voiceovers and there's details and you know like all those different things um that i I don't know necessarily everyone would think of but for me with that background you know it's it's fun for me (laughs) yeah so you
0: know on that note of saying you saying well you don't know where the future of everything's going i'm going to ask you about the future (laughs) you know where do you see the future of if you can look in your crystal ball of where your reseller business is going you know what plans do you have for yourself for 2021 if you could imagine any and of course and i'm going to tie into this also you know is there ever a thought for you and your business of going full-time or is that something that you're like no that's not something i'm
1: interested in so a long time ago i always wanted to own my own business and i never knew in what capacity so to have something that I have right now that it's real, right, like I, I own a real business and I, and I have all these things that I do, is extremely, um, I guess, gratifying for me. But regardless, do I think that um, I will be full-time by the end of 2021? No. <laughs> do I want to be full-time? Um, maybe. I think that it's a loaded question for me because of where I work and the benefits that I have and the security that I have. That's Mm -hmm. a lot for me to give up to be my own boss. And I know it almost sounds kind of selfish, but I don't know if I want to give up those benefits and the retirement plans and all of that. Um, I mean, it's nice to have to worry about that and having the sick time and having, you know, the disability pay there available for me, if something would ever happen, you know, like I wouldn't have to worry about where's the Mm -hmm. money going to come from. So those are a lot of my hesitations towards it. Do I think I could do it? Yeah. I think it's more of like a five to 10 year plan for me. If, Mm -hmm. um, it is something that, you know, I do decide that I want to do. I also think it depends on uh, a lot of other factors like YouTube, like the podcast. Like if, you know, I wake up one day and it's taken off to a point where like, you know, we're making bank on all fronts, then
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: different. It's a different conversation. There are a lot of expenses that I'd have to really think about. And, you know, my husband and I do very well, but it's besides the point, you know, right. I, I've be giving up a lot of, Benefits and perks, giving up my state job. Yeah, and that's really where I stand with it.
0: Yeah, no, I totally understand that. I mean, that's that I think is the biggest question that people have to ask themselves when they want to become a full-time reseller: Can you give up all the perks and benefits that you get possibly at your current employer? And I think that a lot of times on the surface, you know, it's easy to be like, "Yeah, I want to quit this job and be my own boss," right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there uh, they're not immediately thinking of all the other types of compensation they're getting in from their employer that, you know, right. that we don't immediately think of, you just think of your paycheck, but you don't think of the cost of medical insurance, um, the value in your paid time off and your sick leave and, yes. um, disability pay, right? Like if somebody is, you know, wants to have a child getting maternity or paternity pay, if that's offered yep. by your employer, um, they down to the small things. Maybe you get like a discount on your gym membership or it's true. maybe every every Wednesday, your employer buys lunch for the office. That's just one less day you have to buy lunch. I mean, all these little things, um, they add up, you know, in the total compensation package. So um, it's not an easy choice to make. So I totally understand and respect that. Um, and then I guess kind of that my part two or part 70 of my question was, you know, like, where do you see... Where do you see, like, and, you know, when I say you reselling business, I mean, it as kind of the total package, right? Like you've got mm. the reselling that you do on platforms like eBay and Poshmark, you've got the real, real, you've got the podcast, you've got YouTube, you know, um, do you just really see yourself continuing to dig deep into those and keep building those up? Or are there other unspoken things that Denali hasn't outed you on that you continue to think about for this year? <laughs>
1: Um, I think, I think right now um, I want to gain more knowledge and a better understanding and I guess have a better footing in YouTube and um, streamlining my actual reselling business in terms of like the clothing that I'm selling and not be in a situation where I'm housing so many things. I, I want to be a little more free. And I think mm-hmm. that's really my overarching mission in all of this is how can I still do the things that I enjoy doing and be and, and have the freedom that I once had before reselling took over my life. <laughs> like I kind of mm-hmm. miss that freedom a little bit um, yeah. and still be able to make money. And I don't yeah. think there's a, one answer to that. Like, I, I don't think there's one good way to uh, to do it. I don't think there's a wrong or right way to do it. I just think it's whatever works for you. And for me right now, I want to be able to have enough passive income and be able to do the things that I want to do and not spend every waking minute doing them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really where I'm at right now. Um, and I'll get there someday and still have a business to function on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean I'm yeah. eliminating things. I'm just finding mm-hmm. ways to streamline so that I'm not running around like a crazy person <laughs> 24 what, seven.
0: What <laughs> I keep asking
1: myself when I'm going to get to that day. So if you get there before me, Daniela, please let me know. I want to fill you in on how to do it. <laughs> I think you're setting the I think you're setting the standard for that though, Javali, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one, sub it, sub it. you're the one who created the virtual assistant um course, right? You're the one who started doing that. You're the one who's now bringing people on to this app called Flip and you're trying it out, right? And you had a whole mm-hmm. episode on it. And I think there's a lot of value in that platform. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in maybe doing something similar like that and maybe off of the platform Mm -hmm. with people that are local to you. Like there is so many possibilities that you are, you're kind of hinting out there in the community that you're trying out. Um, and it kind of sparks inspiration and ideas for other people and how they can make it work in their business. So take a little credit. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to, sure. I'll take a crumb of it. But
0: I think that, you know, similar to what you were talking about, right? We're all looking to get that work-life balance. And I think that, you know, the thing I've been telling myself for these past few months is just like, work smarter, not harder, right? Like, how can I figure out ways in my business to outsource tasks and different things? And I've always heard that, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you ever read like business books or self-development books, but they, they talk about like, you know, Hiring, you know, hiring on people to do the tasks that maybe you're not so good at, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm learning the value of that, but it, it is extremely hard to do that in the beginning when you are oh, when you, you know, been a solopreneur for so long. The thought of bringing in somebody into your business, I don't care how big or small your business is, it's really scary. And so it's just really taking that first step. But I feel like I've been on this journey for the past few years. And so I've greased the wheel and it's getting a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And the number one thing I have to say in all of it, really, you know, whether you be sending your stuff to the thread up or the real, real, or using this app flip, where you send it off to other strangers in the country or hiring a VA who could be anywhere in the world, all these different things. Honestly, I think it leads back to that. um, I lead with trust and I have to believe that everybody involved has the best intentions and until they prove me otherwise. Right. And Mm -hmm. until they show me that they don't have good intentions or, but, but that is also, I think the cost of doing business, you know what I mean? Sometimes things are not going to work out in the way that you want them to. We are all operating like little retail stores and Nordstrom has theft. You know what I mean? It happens, but it's, they write it, they write it in to the cost of doing business. They know that they're going to have X amount of theft, every year from each store, as well as their online e-commerce. You know what I mean? It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think once you kind of accept that, if you accept all the unknowns, that's when you're unstoppable.
1: <laughs> I also think once you accept they are reselling business is a real business is another aspect. Yes. Like you yes. have a business. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Learn how to run yep. a business. And there's nothing wrong with not right. knowing to run a business. There's so many tools out there learn how to run a business mm-hmm. in the most efficient way possible. And that, that's, that's it. That's the number one tool you need under your tool belt is how to run a business. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I the rest is completely,
1: the rest comes with time.
0: Exactly. Yep. You'll figure it along as you kind of maneuver the process. Okay. So my next question for you, which I had written down and then all of a sudden it deleted itself, but that's okay. Cause I know what I was going to ask oh you um, is for my Patreon group. Um, so my question for you Daniela is if you um if someone were to come up to you and be like, "Oh, reselling looks fun. I want to do this. This looks like a cool gig." What is the most real advice you could give them about coming into reselling? Like they tell you, "This looks cool. I want to quit my job and I want to be a full-time reseller." What do you think is the most realistic advice you could give them? Don't Wait, what's the answer? Why did we cut away? Oh, right. This is the bonus content that I've been talking about. I would love to have you join us in the Patreon group and hear all of the bonus audio that I have been creating, asking this seventh question to dig a little bit deeper and see um, what this answer is to the rotating question each week. So if you'd like to sign up for the Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com backslash flip the script. I truly appreciate all of your support. Let's get back to the episode. Cool. Thank you. That was such a great answer to the question. I feel like we kind of went on a little tangent there, but I, I, I like where we, where we came out. Um, well, I love the Patreon okay. Group enjoys. <laughs> yes. Um, me too. Uh, okay. Last question for you, Daniela, mm-hmm. if you could have given yourself a piece of advice back in January of last year, when we recorded for mm-hmm. moving forward this past year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you have told yourself then what would you have been like do this don't do that watch out for this
1: etc <sighs> man that, that is a loaded question to know I know um i think i would have told myself to honestly to just stop comparing yourself to everyone else in the community and where they are and what they're doing and just do what makes you happy even though you don't have the same following as them and you don't have as many people Mm -hmm. that watch your content like none of that matters just keep doing it because you enjoy and love teaching others and stick with it because it will be worth it That's good advice. You know, all too often
0: that is when I ask this question on the podcast, I would say one in every three to four people is a pretty low ratio. (laughs) They give the advice on don't compare. And I really hope that for people who are listening, when they hear that over and over and over again, especially when you're new into reselling, I think it's really important to hear. Um, I really hope that they take it to heart because it's a really important message. Um, you know, I always try and tell people no two businesses are like, like Daniela and I, even if we had the same sourcing opportunities, like we had the same merchandise all the time in the world, all these different things, it wouldn't matter because, uh, at, at its core, our lifestyles are completely different, right? Mm -hmm. Like we literally live in opposite ends of the country. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) We don't, our family dynamic is different. our, our partners, our significant others make different amounts of money and their employers offer different, different benefits. You know what I mean? There's so many different factors, right? You know what I mean? Like where do you live in a house? Do you live in an apartment? Do you live in a condo? Do you live with family members? You know, there's just all these different factors that will affect all of our finances in different ways. Um, and so for that reason alone, you just can't. You can't compare your business so, to somebody you else. You can't
1: compare yourself. It's so hard not to because we live in a world of social Absolutely. media. But yeah. it will inhibit you from growing if you're constantly comparing yourself. So don't do it, it's not good. Yeah.
0: Because I think it's easy when you're like, when you look to social media and maybe you're watching somebody's Instagram stories and at, it, at its simplest form, it looks like we are the same, right? Because it, somebody is showing them at the thrift store thrifting. And you're like, that's just like me or is <laughs> showing them photographing <laughs> items That's just like me, you know? So, or they show their kids and you're like, I have kids too. That's just like me. But it's like, no, 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 no. There's so many circumstances that people aren't showing you. Social media is 2000% a highlight reel. We yep. only choose to share what we want to share. Like, for instance, I rear-ended somebody in my car a couple weeks ago and totaled my car. Did oh my I God, did my... you really? Yes, I did, which I don't know oh why I'm my laughing God. <laughs> I'm okay. Everybody's okay. The other as car long as you're
1: perfectly...
0: okay. No, no, no. The other car is perfectly fine. And my car just got messed up. Um, yeah. That just probably makes people realize I was driving a tin can and the other person <laughs> had a car that could withstand <laughs> impact but, but it's like, what's the point of me sharing that on my Instagram story? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't add value. It has nothing to do with reselling maybe people have wanted, would have wanted to see it, but I didn't want to share it. It didn't feel special or noteworthy to me. right? You know what I mean? And so for that reason alone, that I guess I'm just saying that because right. There's a lot of things that happen in people's lives and you're not hearing about it, you know? Yeah, I don't. Show. And I think
1: social media can just be disheartening sometimes because I mean it exists in every niche market. There's always like the clicks, right, that exist in every niche market, and you can just really, you know, go down a rabbit hole of it. And I just yeah. think it's good to have a good, healthy balance of social media in your life, especially if you're trying to grow something that you're very passionate about.
0: Yeah, and on that note. Daniela has a great YouTube channel. So everybody, please go and subscribe. She is so close to hitting a thousand followers. And if that means nothing nothing to you, because you don't understand maybe how YouTube works, let me just tell you, YouTube um, for better or worse has made it a little more difficult for creators um, to become monetized on their platform. They do require a thousand YouTube subscribers as well as 4,000 watch hours to um, all of their videos. Um, and so, uh, you know, while Daniela loves creating content, this is something that's a passion of hers. You know, time is money and she has to use her time wisely. And so, getting the opportunity to be paid for your content, and let me tell you, full disclosure, YouTubers on our level, aren't making necessarily a ton of money, Um, but to get a little bit of compensation for your work is extremely important. And it makes you feel valued um, by other people in your community. So if you're not subscribed to Daniela's channel, Danielle, what's the name of your channel? Exactly. I don't want to butcher it.
1: Yeah, no, it's fine. So it's uh, my name, Daniela Malkasian, and I'm sure Denali will put all that information in the show notes I will. as a true yes. Um, but you can also <laughs> find me if you type in the Chronicles of a Reseller, it will also come up under that. So either one, you will okay. find me. <laughs> okay. So they just
0: type in, okay. Cause that sounds really easy to just type in Chronicles of a Reseller and they'll find you that way. Yes. And the reason
1: why it will come up is because it's one of my hashtags that I use. So my video will oh, come up great. if you type that in. hmm yeah, so if everybody
0: um, who listens to this today can take two seconds out of their day and go give uh, her channel a subscribe and hit the little notification bell because maybe she'll go live someday and make live videos and you can know when all of her new content is posted. But additionally, um, as we mentioned in this podcast, which we didn't talk about too much, but I think it needs no introduction, is that Daniela and Lori Tata have a podcast called Thrifters Villa. It is a weekly podcast. It's so much fun to listen to. If you want to just feel like you're sitting down at the table and having a cup of coffee with friends talking about reselling, you absolutely have to check it out. It's so much fun. I was even on it. So maybe you can find that episode. Yes, you were. (laughs) Don't ask me what episode because I have no idea. No, but it was basically like time last year. So if they... If yeah. they scroll for about
1: 30 seconds, then they're probably going to run into You'll the find episodes, it. So. I want to say like 40-something. Season 1, 40, episode 40, I don't know, 5, 46. I don't know. It was somewhere around there. Wow. Okay. Well, if you're right about that, then kudos to you. I doubt I'm that. right about it. It's probably a complete <laughs> lie what I just said. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> like episode
1: six. <laughs>
0: well, cool. Well, thank you, Daniela, for giving me so much of your time today. This has been so much fun. I always like recording with people that I'm friends with and that I have overdue conversations with because we kill two birds with one stone so thank you yes, again sweetie. for being on.
1: thank you for having me this was so much fun they hope um yeah. it gave some value to your listeners as well and of course I always appreciate the little plugs that you give so <laughs>
0: well of course no problem and we'll just have to follow up again in a year and see how things have worked out
1: yes well no we're gonna work on a crossover Shh, don't tell oh me yeah more. yeah well there's that too everybody has that to look
0: forward to <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, I will let you enjoy the rest of your day and I will talk with you soon, friend. All right. Bye everyone. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I love listening to podcasts while I work. Are you the same way? I feel like time is money. And as much as I would love to sit down and read a book, I'm constantly on the go and needing to multitask my time. If you're this way, maybe I have something that could save you a little bit of time in your life. This past year, I created a course on hiring a virtual assistant for your reseller business. I made this course exactly for resellers. It's not, I mean, it definitely could be used by somebody who's not a reseller, but I targeted it towards people who are specifically resellers on any platform, eBay, Poshmark, Mercari, doesn't matter where you resell. If you're looking to gain a little bit more time back in your life and grow your business in ways that you probably can't even imagine, check out my website, hiringava.com. I will put this information in the show notes for you, but check out my website um, and see the complete course content and see how it might work for you and bring value to you and your business. It's very low cost for the course, but also to hire a virtual assistant. And um, a lot of times people think that it's not the thing they need to grow in their business, but truly Um, time is money. And if you can outsource some of the work that you're doing, especially things that somebody else could be doing for you, what else could you be doing with that time in your life? So check it out, hiringava.com. Talk with you guys soon. Bye.